If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Good morning. How are we? Good, good. So there are two times today I'm going to ask you to clap and make some noise, and the first time is now. Wait till I tell you why. Um, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever gone to a funeral and given someone flowers? By a show of hands, how many of you have ever gone to a funeral and said um, something, something about how much that person meant to you? By a show of hands, how many of you have ever said anything to somebody about how much they meant for you right before they either moved far away or you either moved far away? So I listened to a guy talk and he said, it's a good practice to give people their flowers before they're gone. And so in a few seconds, I want you to, in a few seconds, I want you to give Brian Mowry his flowers, but here, here's why. You have one of the best leaders here. Not too many people are in the, in the beginning of the best years of their life in ministry and look back to help out and invest in other people. Brian is one of the most selfless people who I personally and some of us in this room have experienced Brian almost looking away from what's in front of him to focus on you and help you and invest in you. So I just want to take a few seconds. Can we appreciate him just really quick before this? Thank you. Thanks, man. Um, the second time, it'll come during the sermon, so be ready. Um, if you have a Bible, we'll be in Luke 17 today, Luke chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up here on the screens, and we're going to start reading in verse 11, Luke 17, verse 11. Before we jump in, I just want to give you a bit of a background on, on what we're reading. Uh, Luke wrote, and what we're going to read is a gospel. There are four gospels in the Bible, and the gospels are essentially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what they are is their records of Jesus's life and more specifically, three years of public ministry that Jesus did on earth. And Luke, he wasn't one of Jesus's closest followers at the time of Jesus's ministry, but Luke later would become a follower of Jesus. And so Luke took it upon himself to seek out all of Jesus's followers who lived with him at the time and walked with him at the time and do a whole bunch of research. And Luke gathered all of that information and made a detailed account of Jesus's life. And this specific section that we're getting into is what we call Jesus's journey to Jerusalem. This is Jesus' final trip into Jerusalem, which is the city to where he would go and die. And so in Luke 17, starting in verse 11, Luke writes, On the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, if you underline in your Bible, underline this next phrase, turned back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, weren't 10 of them cleansed? Where are the other nine at? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go your way. 
your faith has made you well. Other translations say your faith has saved you. You identify with anybody in this story? I think in some form or another, all of us identify with the 10 lepers. But not all of us identify with the one leper who separated himself from the pack. All of us have experienced what the 10 experienced, but not all of us do what the one did. That one went back and gave thanks. And what I want for all of us at the end of this is to be those who go back and give thanks. That's going to be our message, our topic for the day. Go back and give thanks. We're in a series called Seven Words That'll Change Your Life. And this week, the phrase or the word that we're, we're, we're focused on is thanks or thank you. And so what I want us to be those who go back and give thanks because it's not enough to just say thank you on Sunday morning when we sing songs after I preach about it. The ideal is to be those who live a life of continual, unending. The Bible, Paul writes, give thanks always. And to do that, we've got to be those who practice going back and giving thanks. You want to pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you let us know who you are and what you desire. Thank you that you gather us, that you let us come into spaces like this to encounter you and be with your people. And we thank you that you're active in moments like this. So Holy Spirit, as I speak, I need you to help me speak, but also need you to preach a better sermon than I could preach and work in people's hearts, work in my heart. We love you. Amen. So answer this question in your own head. It's better if you don't answer this verbally. It might get you into some trouble. Um, look to the person to the left or right of you and just answer the question, what brought us together in this moment? What brought us together? Some of y'all, you, you were brought together by birth. I mean, this is just my brother, this is my sister. I was born into this family. This is just who I got. Some of y'all were brought together by, by being in the same college or university or workspace. Some of you were brought together by a matchmaker who saw you and saw so, someone else and thought, y'all be real good together. And here you are. Some of y'all are brought together because you came to church late and that's just who they sat you by. <laughs> Come to church on time next week. <laughs> Luke, he begins this story, he begins this, this specific section by panning the camera and focusing on 10 lepers and pulling out a truth that, that we have all experienced. And this one truth is a truth that brings us together with one another, but also brings us together with the lepers. And here's the truth, write this down. God helps those who can't help themselves. Let's go ahead and tear down one of the lies of, of American fake Christianity. No, no, God helps those who can't help themselves. He helps us in our helplessness. Look at these 10 lepers sitting outside of the city on the side of the street. They're all brought together by this common disease, leprosy. And what leprosy was, was one big umbrella name for a countless amount of skin diseases. So some of them had boils bulging out of their skins. Some of them, their nose began to swell and then fall down their face almost as low as their lip. Some of them, their fingers began to swell and grow and curl up and their hands turned into claws. All of them had this same skin disease, which is leprosy. But the problem with leprosy isn't what it was, but more so it's what it meant for them. Religiously, religiously, leprosy meant they were banned from walking inside of the temple. 
inside of the place where God was worshiped and sought and sang to. Socially, it meant that they were banned from being around people. They weren't allowed to be around common society, which is why they're outside of the city on the side of a street. So this meant that I can't walk into the city and go to a doctor so he could heal me. And I can't walk into the temple to give God an offering to try to convince him to heal me. I'm banned from these things until I'm cleansed, but I need to be cleansed to go get help. They're in a situation where they can't do anything for themselves. And every single one of us in this room can look at those lepers and say, I feel you, G. Yeah, 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 I feel what you feel. Have you ever been in a moment where, where you were all out of options? You ever found yourself in a spot where, where, where you desperately needed something done, but you couldn't do anything to get that thing done? You ever been in a moment where you needed God to come through, but you didn't have anything to offer God to convince him to come through for you? Yeah, yeah. All of us, if we are humans, we feel what the lepers feel because the human experience is recurringly, continuously finding ourselves in spots where we can do nothing for ourselves. If you feel what the lepers feel, I want to encourage you to do what the lepers did. They called on God. They see Jesus walking down the street and they say, Master, have mercy on us. When they call Jesus master, it's as good as them saying, Mr. President, sir, that they, they recognize that Jesus, Jesus isn't a nobody. They recognize that Jesus just wasn't anybody, but they saw Jesus as somebody. So they say, master. And then they said, have mercy on us, which is them saying, you up there who can do something, please do something for us down here who can do nothing. And us looking back at history, we know that Jesus is man, but Jesus is also God. He's all man, all God. He's not 50-50. He's 100-100, all man, all God. There's a kid in my church back home who he got up and said one day, Jesus is 200%. That's one of the most theologically sharp things I've ever heard in my life. And the boy was six. But them back then who were living with Jesus, who saw Jesus get tired, who saw Jesus complain about the weather, who felt Jesus' ashy, dirty skin, they thought Jesus was just a man who had a special connection to God. They saw Jesus do things like moonwalk across the ocean. They saw Jesus do things like spit in a dude's eye and give him LASIK eye surgery. They saw Jesus walk into a party on a Tuesday, turn water into wine so the club could keep going up on a Tuesday. Because all of us know ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. So they saw Jesus do all of this and they were like, you're a man, but you're not just any man. You're a man who's got a special connection to God. So when they said, master, have mercy on us, that was them passing a prayer to Jesus, hoping that Jesus would pass that prayer along to God. At the core, them saying, master, have mercy on us, was a desperate call to God. They knew that my hands are tied, but that doesn't stop me from hitting up God's hotline. What do you do when you can't do anything for yourself? If you're like me, sometimes I feel shame because I think, being unable to pull myself up by my own bootstraps means I'm weak. Or if you're like me, I feel hopeless because if I can't help me, then nobody can help me. And if I can't do nothing for me, nobody can do nothing for me. I'm helpless and I'm hopeless and I'm full of shame. 
But I want to encourage you, do what these do. And, and it, it, call on God, hit up God's hotline. Hear me, let me push it. Call on God because he's able. Can we run through God's resume real quick? In Genesis 1, Moses tells us that God, in the beginning, before the beginning, God began the beginning. God looked at nothing, said something, and then there was everything that we know to be the universe. He looked into an empty earth, picked up a mound of dirt, formed it into a man, breathed into it, and you today are still living off that first bit of borrowed breath that God gave to Adam. God looked at all this and he said, I want light, I want lilies, I want lions, and I want platypi. <laughs> and immediately, there was light before the sun, might I add. There were lilies, there were lions, and there are platypi swimming or walking wherever platypi exist. If God can look at that nothing and make something, don't you think he can step into your situation where you can do nothing and do something? Yeah, yeah, you ought to call on God because he's able. But let me push it. Call on God because he's able and he answers. They, 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 they yelled, master, have mercy on us. And from a distance, Jesus was just like, go on ahead, show yourself to the priest. Don't even touch, he doesn't even touch them. And as they're walking, it says that their skin was cleansed. God answered, God answered, God answered, God answered, God answered. The way you see yourself, the way you see your story, the way you see God will completely change when you get it into your heart that God answers. But he does not accept orders. Talk to me. Yeah, yeah. When you're calling on God, you're calling God, not a delivery guy. So Uber Eats, the pizza man, Domino's, whatever delivery service you might think of, there's one in Joplin called Bite Squad. Bite Squad's mission statement, the reason they exist, they say, is to make our customers day by delivering just what they want. So I can hit up Bite Squad tomorrow and be like, hey, I've got a problem, I'm hungry. I'm, I can't help myself because I can't cook. So I need you to help me in my helplessness. And they'll be like, okay, sir, that's dramatic. Um, what can we do? And I'll be like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Mac and Cheesy, and I want you to give me two big old bowls of gourmet mac and cheese. Then I want you to stop by Fuzzies and get me 25 tacos. And then I want you to stop at Great American Cookie and get me a birthday cookie, but I want them to write on it, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And you know what they'll do? 45 minutes later, they'll have accepted my order, been at my house with a big old cookie, a big old thing of tacos, and two big old bowls of mac and cheese. And they'll give me that mac and cheese regardless of the fact that I'm deathly lactose intolerant. <laughs> they'll give me those tacos regardless of the fact that they cost $80, but I only got $70 to my name and rent's due tomorrow. They'll give me those, that birthday cookie that says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, even though it's March and my birthday's in June. Yeah. Bite Squad exists. Their mission is to accept my order and give me what I want, regardless if it ends bad or good. God's mission is to answer your call and give you what you need, and it always ends good. Yeah, God's the kind of God to look at a hungry child and give them a full meal and not a bag of candy. God's the kind of God to see you thirsty and give you a cup of water and not a, not a, not a bottle of Red Bull. 
Yeah, yeah. God gives you what you need for your good. And God's answers are always good, even if it doesn't look good in the moment. God's a chess player. He's a strategist. He's making moves right now with the end of the game in mind. And even though it doesn't look good right now in the moment, when you look back at the end of the game, at the board, and see the path that God has taken you on and the moves that God has made, you'll say, that was the best thing you could have done. Here, here, I'll show you God's cards. He has three moves that he makes. You call on God, he'll do one of these three things. Either he says yes, either he says yes, but later, or he says, no, I got something better. That's all he does. Yes, later, no, I got something better. And if God says yes, then that yes is the best yes for you and him to win in the end. If God says later, that later is the best later for you and him to win in the end. If God says, I got something better, that is the best thing for you and him to win in the end. Call on God because he's able and he answers and it's always good. So, so this, is, this, this is our story. And Luke, he, he pans on those 10 and he says, God, God helps those in their helplessness. But then he turns the corner from the 10 to the one and shows us this one leper. He, he shows us the separation. And, and here is the dividing line between them. The nine didn't do what they were expected to do, but the one did do what he was expected to do. The nine didn't give what God expected him to give. The one did give what God expected him to give. Write this down. When God gives help, he expects us to give him thanks. God expects an expression of gratitude. So this one, it says, as the 10 were walking, their skin was cleansed. And it said this one saw that he was healed. He saw that he was healed. Luke's making a distinction. That word healed means, means divine activity. It means I didn't just get better. I was made better. So this one, as he's, as he's walking away from Jesus, he sees his skin cleanse and he thinks, I didn't just get better with time, but God made me better. And from seeing what God did for him, it says he stopped mid-step, stopped mid-sentence and had a praise break right there. And then Jesus, speaking the words of God, says, it was 10 of them, right? Where are the other nine at? Was this the only one who thought to go back and give God thanks? If you look at Jesus' tone, it's almost as if he's taken back. He's almost surprised. And he's not surprised at what the one did do. He's surprised at what the nine didn't do. You ever put $1.75 in a vending machine, press B4, expecting a honey bun, and you didn't get a honey bun? And you're like, hold on. Hold on now. It's because it didn't do what you expected it to do. I wonder if God is looking up, looking down from up to us from heaven saying, they didn't think to go back and give thanks. And it's not because he's a narcissist. He knows gratitude is good for you. 
You read the Bible, scriptures like uh, First, First Chronicles 16, where it says, give God thanks. You'll realize it's not a suggestion. It's not a wish. It's a command because you were created to give God thanks. So the best thing for you is to continually give God gratitude. And here it is. God expects gratitude from everybody because he's good for anybody. Good to anybody. That one was a Samaritan. Jesus pointed it out on purpose. A Samaritan, he's a half-blood Hebrew, which means he wasn't a part of the people of God. Samaritans worshiped at a different temple. They had a different religion than the people of God. Samaritans didn't accept the Hebrew Bible. They believed different things than the people of God believed. And God healed him. Because God will be good to you before you're good to him. Those of us in this room who are Christian, we can look back and remember times where it's like, God, you gave me blessing before I even gave myself to you. You were good to me before I was good to you. And those of us who aren't Christian, listen clear. God is not waiting on you to become somebody before he's good to you. He's just expecting you to give him gratitude after he's good to you. So we gotta be those who go back and give thanks. And that takes two things. You got to see and you got to say. You got to see and you got to say. You got to see what God did and then say thanks for what he did. To go back and give thanks, you've got to see what God did for you. It says that this one, he, he saw. He saw what God did, but the other nine didn't see it. The thing that separates the grateful from the ungrateful is that even though we look at the same thing, we don't see the same thing. Some of us see God, some of us don't. So let's be doctors, researchers, scientists, sociologists, whatever you want to be. And let's ask the question, why? We know they didn't see what God did, but let's ask, what blinded them? Here are two hypotheses. I said that wrong. Um, here are two hypotheses that I want to put in front of you. One, they were either suffering from a major misunderstanding where they were dealing with some major memory loss. You're dealing with a major misunderstanding when you see a natural cause and effect and think that's the whole story. So if I'm an eight ball that is sitting in the pocket of a pool table and I know that I got here because the cue ball hit me, if I think that that cue ball hitting me was the, only, was the full story of me being in here, then I've got it majorly misunderstood. Because outside of my own world, outside of this pool table, there was a person who had a purpose and a mind and a will and who hit the cue ball to hit the eight ball to get me where I am. There was a cause behind the cause. And some of us, we've been beneficiaries of natural causes and effects. Doctor worked on me. I got better. Friend gave me money. I can pay my rent. Someone gave me advice. I know the best decision. But if you think that is the full story, you have majorly got it twisted, homeboy and homegirls. There is a cause outside of our world whose name is God, and he is the cause behind the God. He is the one that guided the hand of the doctor. He's the one that opened the hand of your friend. He's the one who put words in the mouth of the person that advised you. God is the cause behind the cause. So open your eyes. But then we might be dealing with a major memory loss. Before Christmas last year, my wife, she asked me, what, what did your mom do for you during the Christmases? 18 Christmases. And I could only name two gifts. And it's not because she didn't do anything. She did. 
It's because I don't remember. So the one reason I can't leave this church and call my mom and say, thank you for all of the great Christmases is because I don't remember what she did. Friends, we've got to put something in place that'll help us remember and revisit and relive all that God's done. This is the practice of the people of God all throughout history. In Genesis, there's a dude named Jacob who was in a field alone taking a nap. God shows up to him in this field. Jacob names that field Bethel, house of God, so that every time he walked into that field, he remembered God showed up to me here. The people of God were were walking into the promised land. God split a river open. They walked through on dry ground, put rocks on the shore of that river. So every time they came to the shore, to the boundaries of their land, they saw those stones and for generations remembered, God made that river a road. There's this woman named Hagar who's in a desert alone in the darkest time of her life, having just been beaten by her master and she finds herself alone. God shows up and talks to her there. She names her son Ishmael, which means God hears. And so every time she looked at her baby boy, she remembered, God heard me in my darkest moment. Friends, we've got to put something in place to remember. If that means getting a prayer journal and looking at it every Sunday, do it. If that means putting a picture on Facebook or Instagram so Mark Zuckerberg and the memories or Time Hop can remind you, do it. If that means renaming your child or your pet, God help me, so that every time they walk up to you, you can remember, God help me, do what you gotta do to remember. And when you realize God is the cause behind the cause and remember what he did, you will clearly see what God did. And once you see it, you gotta say thanks. I like this guy. Because in the beginning, homeboy's like, help! And at the end, bro was like, thanks. (laughs) At the beginning, the dude was desperate, passionate. At the end, he fell on his face. That's passion. He he challenges me. He lets me know, I got to be somebody who keeps that same kind of energy. That they keep that same energy. It's a phrase that means one way you acted in this situation, act that way in the next situation which means you are passionately praying when you needed something. You ought to be passionately praising after God did it. You were up day and night praying hard, reading your whole Bible when you had a prayer request. You ought to keep that same energy and do the same thing to say thank you for what he did. The way you sit in here and lift up your hands and cry when you need something, you ought to be doing that same thing to say thank you. We ought to keep that same energy. You want a heart that grows for God? Keep that same kind of energy. Because as you practice and, and legitimately express gratitude to God, you'll become consciously aware that you have experienced his goodness. And after being aware of experiencing his goodness, your heart will be drawn to him because you realize you are the best thing to me. You have been so good to me. You, you want your friends and family and kids to, and coworkers to know how good God is? you ought to keep that same kind of energy. Because when they see you praying and when they see you saying, I'm believing for God to come through and then see you thanking and expressing gratitude for the God who did come through, they'll think if he was good to them, he can be good to me. If he came through for them, he can come through for me. I know how they be living. And if he came through for them, 
man, maybe I got a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep that same energy. So, so let, let's just practice right now. Help me preach this. If God has ever been good to you at a time where you had no options, shout right now, God is good. Let's do it again. Turn up the volume. If God has ever been good to you before you were good to him, shout right now, God is good. God is good. Now, now, now turn it all the way up. If God has ever been good to you to where you can look back and say, all of my life, you've been faithful. All of my life, you've been good. All of my life, I've experienced your goodness. Take about five seconds and give him a big old shout of praise right there. He's good. He's good. When you're not good, he's good. He was good to you when you didn't ask for it. He's good. He's good. He's good. We got to keep that same kind of energy. And so God helps helps us in our helplessness and he expects gratitude. But here's the one thing Luke's really trying to drive home. He, he keeps telling the story because he's like, this is the heart of it all. This is what I'm trying to show you. Write this down. God gives his greatest help in his son. That's the whole reason Luke did all that research and then wrote a gospel that we're reading thousands of years later is to tell you this, that God gives his greatest help in his son. Who says this man, after praising God where he was, he ran to Jesus and fell on his face, which shows that this dude recognized that God helped me through Jesus, that God worked through Jesus. He went straight to Jesus because he realized that Jesus, not the temple, not the priest, Jesus is the one whom God works through ultimately. That man called on God and got his skin cleansed. He recognized who Jesus was, got his soul saved. Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Yeah, yeah, he, he was saved from himself and his own damaging patterns and sinful habits. And now he's free to live the life that God created him to live. He, he was saved from his guilt and his debt he owed to God and, and eternal separation from God and is now free to live in eternal intimacy with God forever. He he was saved from death being the period in his story to now becoming a comma because even though he would die a few years later probably, he's gonna wake up when we wake up and stare at Jesus in the face forever. He he recognized who Jesus was and he got saved. But, 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 But no, no, when you recognize who Jesus was, you don't just get salvation, you get all God's got. God breaks the bank and gives it all to you in Jesus. Paul, he's one of the biblical authors. He says, God gives us every, you know what every means? Every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And then Paul, he asks a rhetorical question in Romans and he says, if God didn't spare Jesus, won't he give us everything else with him? Jesus' predominant purpose was salvation, but so much more comes in him. I've got this iPhone. The primary reason I got an iPhone was so I could make calls and receive calls. But a phone ain't the only thing that I got when I got an iPhone. I got a GPS system when I got an iPhone. I got a calculator when I got an iPhone. I got apps, Snapchat, Instagram. I got a TikTok last week. I got Snapchat. 
I got Cash App at Jerron Scott 10 if you're feeling generous. Now, I'm not joking. Only not really. All of that came when I got this phone, which primary purpose was to call. Even though Jesus' predominant and primary purpose was to come and give you salvation, in him, God gave you so many more benefits. In Jesus, he gives you peace and he gives you wholeness in your brokenness and he gives you healing and comfort and a new life and joy and a future. He gives you so much more. So when you recognize Jesus, receive salvation and all that God has for you. For those of you who aren't followers of Jesus, that means recognizing Jesus and believing that he is who he is. He's God become human who came to, to fix the broken relationship that you had with God. And for those of you who are Christian, you know what that means? You can't Harlem shake around Jesus to get God's blessings. That means avoiding the temptation to seek God's blessing and neglecting his son. That means no saying, God, I don't just want your comfort, joy, and peace, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give all I've got to get in Jesus. And I know with him, I'll get everything you've got. So I'm just gonna seek Jesus. And when I got Jesus, I got all of that. And here's the good news. The cross can't be undone. Y'all remember in, um, in April, I believe, of this year when the Notre Dame Cathedral burned down? I believe we've got a picture of what it looked like before the fire, gorgeous. But this is what it looks like after the fire. You see what I see? The hell came through that cathedral, but the cross still stands. This is your life, Christian. You might be going through the fire, you might be going through hell. You might be going through a storm. Everything around you might be crashing in, but the cross cannot be undone. And everything God gave you in Christ on that cross still stands, which means whether you're in heaven or hell, you've still got God as your father. You might be on a mountain or a valley, but you still got the Spirit of God living in you. You might have lost, you might have gained, but you still have joy. You still have peace. You still have a future. You're still be man dude. God is still your comforter. He's still your provider. All that God gave you on that cross still stands. Which means in highs, lows, gains, losses, good, bad, you ought to keep that same kind of energy. So here's my prayer for you and myself, that God opens our eyes. Regardless of what we see around us, we clearly recognize God as the cause behind the cause. We clearly remember all that he's done. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit that wells us up and empowers us so much that we keep that same energy and more in saying thank you. Amen. Can we stand?